Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. The message I'm going to bring today uh, is not so much informational as it is inspirational. In other words, I probably won't say anything that you do not know or have not heard. But, but how many of you realize that if you were doing everything you knew spiritually, you'd be a spiritual giant? It's getting the things that we know working in our life. And I've simply entitled the message today, You Need a Vision. And you need a vision because you'll never leave where you are until you know where you want to go. In other words, you do not go to the airport and say, hey, I want a ticket to leave Grand Rapids. You say, I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to Miami. I want to go to Denver. They don't have tickets to leave. They've got tickets to where you're going. And the same thing is true in life. You've got to know where you're going to go. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, he had a goal. He had a place he was going to. People say, well, Jesus was going to the cross. No, he was going through the cross because he was going to a resurrection. He was going to redeem humanity. He was going to a place where he's going to have relationship with you and with me. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the cross. He despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the joy that set before him, he saw the resurrection. He saw redemption. He saw you and I becoming part of his family. He saw us getting saved. Now, the same thing is true with you and me. We, we need to have a vision, a goal, a dream. We've got to have something that is set before us. It's the Message Bible that says it this way in that very verse. It says, he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. You know, when you've got the vision of where you're going to go, you can put up with a whole lot of stuff. It says he could put up with anything. You do not get where you want to go without there being a cost to it. He endured the cross and the shame, everything that went with it. But for you and I, it's going to be work. It might be getting up early. There's a price that you're going to pay. There might be people that mock you because of where you're going, but it takes perseverance. It may take learning. It may take growing. Right? Uh, somebody said it this way, Jesus, he digested the shame. Uh, well, no matter what the cost, he was going towards the goal. And then what happened? Well, the Bible says God highly exalted him, gave him a name that's above every other name. Without a vision, a destination, you go back to your past. You go to what's comfortable. You know to what you, what you know. Now, Peter, we all know, denied the Lord Jesus at Caiaphas's house three times. In fact, the Bible says he began to, to, to swear that he doesn't know Jesus. In the garden, all of the disciples ran. Now, Jesus has now risen from the dead. He's appeared to the disciples, but particularly Peter and even the others, they don't know where they're going. 
So this is what Peter says. This is John 21 in verse three. He says, I'm going fishing. Now, why did Peter say I'm going fishing? Because he used to be a fisherman. It's what's comfortable. It's what he knew. And because he didn't have a vision of where he was going, he went back to what he was comfortable with, what he already knew. And so often that's what happens in our lives. We don't know where we're going, so we just stay in this comfortable place, in this place where, where I, I know what's going to happen. I'm comfortable here. This isn't going to stretch me. I'm, I'm just going to kind of cruise through things. I know this. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to get out of our comfort zone. He wants us to have a vision. He wants us to have a goal, someplace that we're going. In fact, I think it's interesting. Then the rest of the disciples said, well, we're going with you too. We're going with you too. Why? Because they didn't know where they were going. The Bible says this, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Another translation says where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. So in other words, your vision gives you purpose. Your vision motivates you. Your vision gives you direction. And your vision causes you to literally discern this is the way to go. This is not the way to go. Um, when it comes to your finances, this might be a good example. Uh, a vision for your finances is called a budget. You know, some people call, think budget's a dirty word. It's a great word. He's saying, this is what I want my money to do. I want my money to pay off my house. I want my money to pay for my kid's college. I want my money to pay for vacation next year. And so because I've got this vision of what I'm going to do, every time I choose something, how many know I eliminate other things? Right? Because that's what I'm going to do. There's a lot of other things I'm not going to do. Because if you don't have vision, you cast off restraint. If you have no vision for your finances, how many of you realize you could go to the mall and spend all your money and get stuff you really don't, you know, it's just there, it looks good. Some of it you bring home, uh, you never even take it out of the box. You never use it. But, but because you didn't have a vision for what you wanted your money to do, you just cast off restraint, everything looks good. Kind of like uh, the, the, the cartoon Peanuts. You know, Charlie Bound is out there with his bow and arrow, Whew, shoots his bow. And uh, the, the girl says, hey, you, you, you know, you, you missed the target. And he said, no, I didn't. You know, that arrow stuck in a fence. He went over there, drew a target right around the fence, <laughs> right, around, right around his arrow in that fence. You know, that's how some of us are. You know, we have no idea where we're going or wherever we're, we're, we're at. We just figure, well, this is good. This is good. But without a vision, People perish. People cast off restraint. Again, another translation says people run wild. People run wild. There's just no direction to your life. And if you don't know where you're going, right, any plane looks good. Everything looks good. All right. So in Genesis chapter 12, God shows up and talks with Abraham. And he says, Abraham, through you and your family, I'm going to bless the world. Now, Abraham at this time is about 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 65. They have no children at all. And God makes him this promise. You're going to have children. I'm going to bless the world through your children. The Messiah is going to come through your children. So in Genesis 15, God brings him out. This is verse 5. 
He brought him outside and he said, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. He says, so will your descendants be. Now realize he's living out in the desert. And and at night, there is no place you see the, the stars any better than out in the desert. So every night he walks out and he sees those stars and he remembers, God said, my descendants, they're going to be like the stars up in the sky. And then in chapter 22, God takes him outside again. And he says, uh, your descendants, they're going to be like the sand of the sea. They're going to be like the sand. Now, how many of you know when you're in a desert, what do you see all day long? Sand. Right? So every place he's looking every day, my descendants, my descendants. If it's daytime, he sees the sand. If it's nighttime, he sees the stars. And God's got him looking. God's got him seeing right? something that he can recognize. Now, day and night, he sees. He's got a picture. God has him visualize what he wants him to be believing for. In fact, the Bible says he believed God. Now, I believe one of the reasons he was able to believe God was he kept on seeing it. He kept on visualizing it, right? God wanted Abraham to do more than just hear the promise. He wanted him to see that promise. Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote this, the great theologian, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wrote this. He says, I decorated my bedroom wall right next to my bed. There was a big wall that I decorated with pictures. I hung up pictures of strong men, bodybuilders, wrestlers, boxers, and so on. I was driven to think big and to dream big. Everybody else thought I was crazy, right? But he had a dream, right? And he wanted to visualize that dream. What you do, this is what he wrote, what you do is create a vision of who you want to be and then live into the picture that you've already put out there and make it become true, right? That's what he said about his process of becoming Mr. Universe. You'll never, listen, you will never go on the outside where you do not first go on the inside. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. As you think in your heart, so are you. So you've got to see it on the inside before you're ever going to see it on the outside. Uh, Jeannie and I, we uh, got married and celebrated our first anniversary in Mexico as missionaries. We were there for seven years. And God put in my heart to come back to Grand Rapids to pastor a church. So we left Mexico. Uh, we, We got here about the 1st of May, 1983. And all of May, all of June, all of July, it's going into September. And uh, there there just seems to be no openings. There's no openings. uh, I'm believing I'm going to pastor. In fact, uh, we we kind of think, well, we're probably going to start a church. But no doors seem to be open. There just didn't seem to be the right place. And all this time, almost every week, there's a church in the Midwest who's calling us up and saying, we want you to come. Come down here. We want you to pastor. Just tell us what it takes. Name your salary, whatever you want. You just tell us you come. And my mom knows about this. And so my mother says to me, she says, will you please just go someplace people want you because nobody wants you here. (laughs) Now, Now, she wasn't being mean. 
You know, but she's just, she's just looking at the, at the natural thing. You see, there's going to be people that even people that love you, they're going to look at you and look at your dream and they're going to go, Hey, that ain't working out. You don't have the ability. You don't have the education. You're, 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 you're the wrong gender. You're the wrong ethnicity. You, you just don't fit, right? But you just keep on following your dream. David is about 14 years old when Samuel, the prophet, comes to his house and anoints him to be king of Israel. Now, let me remind you, the next day, he got up and took care of the father's sheep. And the next month, he was getting up and taking care of the father's sheep. Now, was he anointed king? He was anointed to be king. But it didn't happen in a day. And it didn't happen in a week. And it didn't happen in a month. It didn't even happen in a year. In the meantime, he's watching the sheep. And along comes a bear and steals one of those sheep. And he goes after that bear, smites it and kills it. Then a lion comes and takes one of those sheep. He goes after that lion. He catches it, the Bible says, by his mane. He hit that thing and killed that lion. I'm telling you, David was bad. Huh? He was bad. Huh? But he's just taking care of the sheep. His father tells him, go down to the, to the, to the army and uh, bring some food to your brothers. In fact, I think he said, bring him a pizza. It says bread and cheese. Does that sound like a pizza to you? Sounds like a pizza to me. And he hears Goliath, the giant, come out and challenge the Israelites. And when he hears that, he says, what will be done for the man who kills him? And they answer him. You know, the Bible says, now Elib, his older brother, heard when the men spoke to him. And Elib's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know that your pride and the insolence of your heart. You've come down to see the battle. And David said, isn't there a cause? And he turned away, the Bible says, from him. There are people in your family, people that you know, that they find out about your vision, about what you're believing for, and they're going to tell you why you can't go. They're going to tell you you've got wrong motives. They're going, to, they're going to make excuses for why you can't do it. And like David, some of you just turn away from him. But then they bring him to the king. And he says, king, don't let anybody's heart fail him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to fight against the Philistine because you're a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. And David begins to give his resume. He said, the bear came, I killed the bear. The lion came, and I killed the lion. And just like I killed a lion, just like I killed that bear, I am going to kill that Philistine. He had to deal with people who did not believe he could do what God had put in his heart. And you're going to have to deal with people that don't believe what God has put in your heart. Right? You can succeed when no one believes in you. But you'll never succeed if you don't believe in yourself. If you don't believe it yourself, you won't succeed. Now, you can succeed when nobody else believes, but you've got to believe it yourself. Talent and intelligence does not make a successful person. I'll say that again. Talent and intelligence does not make a successful person. Vision and tenacity make a successful person. Vision and tenacity, right? Ordinary genius, unsuccessful genius is everywhere. It's not your intelligence. It's that vision 
And it's the tenacity to see it through. You've got to see it. You've got to express it. You've got to clarify it. You pray about it. You keep working towards it. You focus on it. When, when we came back from Mexico, as I mentioned, we got here, I believe it was right about the 1st of May, 1983, and nothing's happening. And uh, a pastor and his wife here in Grand Rapids who had known we were missionaries said, hey, we want you to come and preach at our church. And, and I actually said to him, you know, uh, I probably shouldn't because we're probably going to start a church and I don't want your people to just come on over to our church. And they said, oh, come on and preach for us, please. So Jeannie and I went and uh, preached for him and and uh, Jeannie will never, I will never forget. The reason I won't forget is because we've been back from Mexico for a few months and I was eating that American food and I was gaining weight <laughs> and I went to illustrate something and I went down like that and everybody heard this rip <laughs> it's from stem to stern. Maybe <laughs> we were, we were wide open. <laughs> so, uh, and back in those days, you always preached in a suit coat. So I took it and wrapped it around me, finished out. And then afterwards, they said, let's go out to eat. And, you know, I had some air conditioning, but I figured, well, why not? So we went to a restaurant on 28th Street and we're sitting there. And the pastor's wife says to me, she says, uh, well, what kind of church did you want to pastor? I said, well, we're going to pastor a great church with thousands and thousands of people. I said, we're going to focus on God's word. We're going to focus on youth ministry. We're going to focus on worship, on missions. And she just said, oh, literally, this is what she said. Oh, my God. She said, I would never want a church like that. She says, I want a church where I know everybody's first name and all their kids' names. She says, and I want a church where on Sunday morning, I can be in the front row with a cup of coffee in one hand, lifting my other hand to the Lord, drinking coffee, worshiping God and drinking coffee. 25 years later, I remember thinking she has exactly what she wants on Sunday morning. She's on the front row. She has her cup of coffee. She's worshiping God. She knows everybody's name in the church and everybody's kids names. And at the same time, we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Listen, your vision is your future. Say it again. Your vision is your future. If you will focus on that vision and work and be like Jesus, he put up with anything and everything that got in the way. He was willing to pay whatever the cost. Uh, I just wanted to say this about this church. You know, our vision as a church is to win souls, make disciples. Win souls, make disciples. That's all we want to do. Right? Personally, my vision and your vision should be a little bit different. Now, it includes that as a corporate body. Right? But when they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? This is what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. So literally, I, I can tell you my, my personal vision. Right? Number one, love God. Number two, love people. Love God, love people. Whatever else 
that you and I have is part of our vision, our dream for our life. The first thing needs to be on top is love God, love people. Love God, love people. And interestingly, uh, one of the ways that we love God is by loving people. Loving people. You know, your vision is your target. It's your target. Now, now Jesus is explaining uh, uh, faith and prayer. And he makes this statement in Mark 11, verse 24. He says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Now, Now, here's what a lot of times we do. Uh, we see something, and, uh, and we pray, and we forget three days later we ever prayed about it because there was never really any desire on the inside. There was no tenacity. There was no stick-to-itiveness. It was just kind of a, well, that'd be, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Right? I remember in, in 1995, Jeannie and I took our, our boat and our, our kids, and, and uh, we went to a lake up in northern Michigan and got on this lake. We'd heard about this lake, and we got on it, and uh, uh, we ended up calling it the Northern Caribbean because the, the water was just turquoise. I remember Jeannie, was, the kids were swimming, and she says, I can see the dirt under their toenails. There's women down there, you know. And she, we, 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 we talked about it and says, man, we would like to have a, a cottage on this lake someday. In fact, we prayed. Right? 1995. We stuck with it, we stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck with it, saved, stuck with it, 19, 2005, 2005, 10 years, 10 years, right? We ended up getting a cottage on that lake. But it wasn't something that just happened like boom, right? It's something, it's got to be something that you desire, right? That you're willing to stick with, Uh, uh, most of you know this about me. I, I love to, to hunt and fish. In fact, I fish because you can't hunt during fishing season. I just love, I love to hunt, right? And, and, and literally, I mean, for the long, I wanted to kill a bear with a bow and arrow. I mean, I, I, I'm like, I want to do it. I, I, I got videos, and I started watching people hunting bears with videos. You know, so I figured, well, when one comes, I won't be nervous because I'll have watched it like a 500 times already. I'm watching videos. I learn all about it. I buy a new bow, right? And, and then I start practicing. I mean, I practice thousands of arrows. I mean, I'm just practicing. And then Mike Rose gets a hold of me and says, hey, let's take a bunch of guys to Canada and go hunt bears. So we got 10 guys from church, right? We go to Canada. We're hunting bears. Now, remember, Right? I got the new bow. I've been shooting my arrows. I've been watching videos. You know, I've just been picturing in my mind that bear coming in. In fact, I got a video of it. We'll show you right this, right here. So, so we're up there in, in Canada. I'm up in this, this tree, and in come, these, in come these bears. Now, Pastor Joe, he's right next to me. Right? He's got the camera. Right? He peed his pants, I think. You know? because <laughs> here come these bears. He's got no gun. All he's got is a camera. You know? And... Uh, but you know what? I practiced thousands of arrows. I watched video after video after video of that bear. Oh, there he is. Look at there. Bruno the bear. You know, he's been, he's been keeping the, the green Don't go. Ooh, go, yes, 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 yes. Right? Vision, come to pass. All right? Vision makes ordinary people live extraordinary lives. 
makes ordinary people live extraordinary lives. And vision leaks. Hello? Vision leaks. Lifelong dreams and vision only come in one size, and it's big. It's real big. Now, David, we mentioned he's anointed king. He's 14 years old, and he just keeps on taking care of sheep until he's about 17 when he goes to the Valley of Elah, and he kills Goliath. Now, I mentioned this to our, our youth interns this week when I talked with them because this is, I think this is extremely important for every one of us to understand that you live life on levels and you arrive in stages. You live life on levels, you arrive in stages. So David's 14, he's taking care of sheep. He's 17, he goes to the belly of Elah, he kills Goliath, and before the day is done, he's promoted and he is now an officer in King Saul's army. That lasted about four years. And then Saul got jealous and tried to kill David, and he had to run for his life. And for the next seven or eight years, He's living out in the wilderness. He's, he's literally, he has a band of people that are around him, but he is a, he is, he's, he's a sought man. The Bible says that Saul sought to kill him every day. Right? That was a new stage in his life. He is out there. When he's 30, he becomes king of the tribe of Judah only for seven and a half years. And then at 37 and a half, he becomes king of all of Israel. Now, you just look there. There's five stages or levels that he went through. And I'm telling you to say this. So often we think we're going to get to the ultimate spot that fast. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, though the vision tarry, you wait for it. Though it tarry, you wait for it. It will surely come to pass. But so often we want to get to the end and we want to skip over every step that's on the way. Right? And that's just not how life works. Right? There's steps. The Bible says, <laughs> all right, the Bible says that the Lord, He guides the steps of the righteous. We want leaps, but it's the steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, not the leaps of the righteous. So in our life, we don't get all the way to the end right away. And so often, we want things so quick. We're living in this, this quick society. We want everything to be microwaved, right? including life and our vision. But it doesn't work that way. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. The Lord answered and said to me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. But in the end, it will speak. It will not lie, though it tarry. You wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, notice it says, write the vision, make it plain, that he who reads may run. Now, the vision itself does not do the work, and there's always work for the vision to come to pass. right? But they says those that read, so they can run with it. So they can do the work that needs to be done in order for the vision to come to pass. Now, it says write it. And, and I want to encourage you, if you don't have your dreams, your vision, you don't have them written down, write them. Right? But I would even take it one step further because I take it a step further. Because God took it a step further with Abraham. He said it's like the stars in the sky. It's like the sand of the sea. He wanted him to visualize it. So at, at our house, we have a vision board. 
right? I stand in front of my vision board every day. I'm going to show you just a quick picture. There's my vision board, all right? I've got, I've got a, a, a car on there I want. I've got a boat on there I want. I've got to say you've got a boat. I do. But my boat, I get my eight-year-old granddaughter behind my boat, put her on a tube, and all she does is go like this. I can't go fast enough. I'm saying, I want a new one. All right? Uh, show me that guy. Now, I weigh, a, uh, I weigh, well, I weighed, listen, that's not me, by the way. You could, you're probably mistaken thinking that's me, but it's not. All right. <laughs> all right. See, I weighed 220. And I said, man, that's way too much. So I just, had, I just had 190 on my vision board. And then I said, no, I need somebody to motivate me. All right? So I'm down to 205. I got 15 to go, but I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there. All right? We're getting there. We're getting there. All right? So on one side, I've got personal stuff. On the other side, I've got all the church stuff. How many people we're believing to get saved? Right? When we're going to pay off this building. How we're going to increase our viewership. All those things are all written on the vision board. Every day I'm standing in front of that vision board, I'm praying about that. I'm seeing it. I'm visualizing it. I'm praying about it. Right? And it gets down on the inside. Right? It, it, the Bible says, write it. Write it. God took Abraham and said, I'm going to have you visualize where you're going to go. Right? So I've got personal things. I've got ministry things on there. Now, the Bible says this. Let me just close with this. Romans 12, excuse me, Romans 4, verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. Listen, he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. In other words, he's out there and he's looking at those stars and he's looking at that sand and he's saying, Lord, I see it. Lord, I thank you. This is going to come to pass. I believe that you're moving on my behalf. You give me instructions. I'm going to follow those instructions. I'm going to do what needs to be done. But he kept on saying, God, I believe you. I see it. I see it. He gave glory to God. And that's what we need to do for those visions, those dreams that God has put in our heart to come to pass. He gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced as he gave glory to God, right? Look at, he grew strong in faith. He didn't start out strong in faith. He grew strong in faith as he began to see what God had showed him. And he began to thank God that it was going to come to pass. He was convinced God was able to do what he promised. And I don't know what promises God has made to you, but God is able. God is able. And what we need to do is we need to get to that point where we believe it, where we see it, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he or she. Would you bow your heads for just a moment, please? In a group of this size, there's people in, in all sorts of spiritual conditions. There's some of us here who've served God for decades. Others, you're away from God or you're not right with God. And it may be that, that you're bound that there's an addiction, drugs, alcohol, porn, or maybe you just live in your life and you're forgetting God. And it's just the pursuits of this world, the pursuit of money, uh, uh, whatever brings you pleasure. But like that prodigal son who came to himself and he looked at himself and he says, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. The things of this world will never fulfill or satisfy you. It was Luis Pasqua who said, 
There's a God-sized hole or vacuum inside of every person, and there is nothing else that will satisfy. So he said, I will arise, and I will go to my Father. And I, I want to say to you, if you're away from God but today, you're not right with God today, today is your day to arise and say, God, I'm coming to you, and I'm surrendering my life to you, and I'm receiving the forgiveness you have for me, and I'm going to live the abundant life Jesus has for me to live. So I'm going to ask everybody, take one hand, place it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and I want you to pray these words out loud, but make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over sin, death, and the devil. I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. I thank you my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.